This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over a very eventful week at Manchester United and to preview another very eventful week at United. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your questions and comments in. And if you're watching live on the the replay, if you're watching the replay, Feel free to say hello and comment. We do reply to the comments we get. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening to uh, as well. Paul, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, Wayne. Good, good. A a lot to get through today. Um, Before I start, a huge, huge thank you to to Paul and to everyone who's been so supportive of the the release of Eternal this week. It's It's been really mad see the reception for it and I hope that once people have started reading it as opposed to just receiving it the, the reception is still as positive but really really appreciate all the nice comments um and, and the shares and everything like that I know when someone's promoting something it takes a lot of patience from people who are sort of with them so um everyone who's been patient while I've been doing that really really appreciative of it um so yeah thank you and look forward to hearing what everyone thinks when when they've read it um Paul, I, I don't even know where to begin. I, th- I feel like when we we do a podcast, you, you should do the last game, but or start with the last game. But I, th- I feel like we need to start with Barcelona and what happened at the new camp because, all right, it was a, a sort of like a cagey first half a little bit, but United still a, a approached it with um, positivity, which was really surprising. And, 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 and I guess not surprising in one respect because Ten Hag has done that, but to see United go... And take the game to a really good, well, an improving Barcelona side who were, you know, obviously they're in a, a transitional period themselves, but they're, they're leading La Liga by a, a bunch of points. But they're doing quite well. And to see United go there and, and really dominate in patches in the first half was surprising. But then, you know, Barcelona come out, take the lead in the second half. And, and United, you know, a huge test of character and they responded magnificently to come back and take the lead. and really should have made it 3-1 or, or maybe not 4-1, that would have been dreamland, but certainly probably deserved a third before before letting in that the equaliser. Um, I, I said online that United dominated parts of that game. People were saying, oh, what are you talking about? It was, you know, an evenly matched game. I mean, all right, maybe it was, you know, can't argue with the draw, and I'm not arguing with the draw, but I felt to watch United play positively there and and go there in the right spirit and look at points like they were going to really run away with that game was a huge testament to where the club are at the moment. Um, Did you see it the same way as me? Did you you see it differently? Do you think that that we got away with it? Um, How how did you, um, what what did you make of the 2-2 draw? No, they they definitely didn't get away with it. I I believe that a draw was a fair result in the end. When you look at certain bits, yes, United did dominate a bit 
But then you have to look at the start of the game. You could see Barcelona. They actually were looking like Barcelona as yeah. as we knew Barcelona without the, the little Argentinian player. There was always that that saw that little bit, especially with Xavi in charge of the team. But I thought a draw was a fair result when you look at what United created. But you looked at the saves that David de Gea made as well, especially the late the one late on as well. It could have been different. You know, 12 months earlier, or sorry, or 24 months earlier, you know, United fans would have been jumping. Would everyone be jumping around because of two away goals? Yeah. You know, that's how you can look at it. But now you can't. You look at it now and you just know this it's, it's the biggest show in town on Thursday. You know, this, you know, this game is going to be talked about more than what happens on Wednesday night in the Champions League. To be perfectly honest, there's no bigger game on <clears throat> this week than that game on Thursday night. Especially as where it is at the moment, two, you know, two of the biggest clubs in the world who have both been through, <clears throat> both been through challenging times, and still, both still going through challenging times, I should say as well. So for me, it was great to watch. It's just a shame, really, that one's going to go because if you're UEFA <laughs> for that Europa League, you'd want those two in the final. To be yeah. perfect, and it's just to sell that UEFA. And to be honest, when you look at the teams that are in that UEFA league, all of a sudden you're starting to see it now. It's, you know, where before people talked down to it, you have to say it's a decent competition because of the teams that are competing in it now as well. So it, it definitely is a competition to win and one that you, you know, you, you should be held in high regard for, for winning it. It's like the old UEFA Cup, isn't it? They always used to say that was the most difficult tournament, to, very difficult. Liverpool struggled to to win that one on a regular basis. So, um, and that was when they was in their prime. So, you know, before it's been dismissed by some big name managers, but as you know, they're all saying is a trophy is a trophy. But to get to the final of this one for Ten Hag, obviously he's in the final at the weekend as well, would be an incredible achievement from where Manchester United were 12 months ago. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is that sort of the thing that you've got to keep coming back to is 12 months ago where we were, 12 months ago, 10 months ago, 10 months ago, we were losing 4 0 to Brighton. And yeah, all right, we lost we lost to Brentford eight months ago, you know what I mean, by the same score and, and the sort of leaps and bounds that we've come on. It, it's enough to say that, you know, when you see a team progress and you see them moving forward and, and sort of develop a new identity. You think, all right, there'll, there'll be sort of stumbles along the way, Paul. But I mean, I think, I think the thing that really caught most people off guard with the Barcelona from both teams really was how high quality it was. You know, like you can see an entertaining game of teams; they're moving on and they're they're trying to build. But you'll see generally entertainment. But then there'll be sort of drawbacks where you can see that those team need those teams need to improve. You can say, all right, well, they did all right, but. They need to improve this, and we knew that anyway. But that's the kind of mistake that you expect a team like this to be making. But we didn't see that on Thursday. We saw two high-quality games, like you said. Now everyone's looking at this game, and, and they probably were anyway because it's the high-profile tie of the round. But because of the quality of the game on on Thursday, last Thursday, this is a it's a serious barometer of teams' ability. The well, United and Barcelona's ability at the moment, isn't it? I mean, the, the, this it the tie wouldn't look out of it would be the tie of the round in the Champions League as well. Yeah, oh a hundred percent. I'm sure there's a, a few a little bit of bitterness going on there <clears throat> with a lot of teams who are thinking you know, looking at this game and you know, thinking that everyone is everyone is set on this game and 
and it is. I think that's what football, you've earned the right for it. Both these clubs have earned the right to be the talk of the town. <clears throat> and I'm just gutted that I'm not going to be there. I've been around and watched big games, you know, since I left Champions League games. And being up in Manchester on a Champions League day, and I mean being up there for the day, you know, yeah. from, say, midday onwards, is an incredible experience, the way the town buzzes. Yeah. And then then cocking it up by leaving too late from the town to get to the stadium and all you're doing is bang, bang your head against the car window or taxi window because you're sitting in traffic. It's an absolute nightmare, but it is a, a great experience to actually be around on a Champions League day or should say a European, a European day in Manchester. So um, I just, I'm just looking at it and I really just... It's so difficult to think which way this game is going to go, but I just think every time I, you know, after watching the game yesterday, that and then thinking you got Casemiro's going to be back, and you just think that's 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 where there's going to make a big difference. That's where it's going to be. You know that that makes Fred shifts on another gear when he plays with Casemiro. Yeah, Fred is Fred is a better gets better when he's playing with him as well. The team functions better when yeah. he's there as well. They'll be better defensively because the left side of centre half comes back. Yeah. Comes back in and we've seen already that when he comes onto the field, how the difference he makes it in the defensive line. And I'm not and, and that's on how the ball is shifted from the back into midfield or beyond when he's playing. There's more yeah. zest as what we so you know, what we saw of that that game against Leeds at Ellen Road when it was just like running it was like you thought you just felt like from the back line they were playing in the quadmire because the ball wasn't moving. Yeah. As soon as he come on, all of a sudden everything shifted. United stepped forward five, six, ten yards. Yeah. So there was in a more attacking position as well. So <clears throat> he has made a massive impact, not just on his defending, which is near on near on perfect when you talk about um <clears throat> tackles one. Yeah. Just to the fact of what he does when he's won that tackle and how we can, how he can actually transform defence straight away going going into a progressing to an attacking position. So he he has made a big big difference. So um, United are in a really really good place. And at the end of it, you have to just look at it. Everything this moment in time is a bonus for every United fan. It has to be treated as a bonus because no one expected this. You know, I sat around. <clears throat> I was saying it. Everybody was saying it for United to be considered to win a league title. Or in the next man, whoever the manager is, is going to take him three, four, five years. He's come in, and already everyone. I mean, I'm saying it that if he's given what he wants in the summer to maybe go and maybe bring in three players, and I'm just saying three, not being greedy. I think three. Yeah. You, can, you know, you don't want you don't want too many because that causes issues about you know make it. Then all of a sudden you're having to make too many changes because you feel you have to because you've got too many bodies about, as what Chelsea are finding. Um, you're suddenly you're suddenly looking at it going after this season. You're suddenly thinking, you're looking at next season. Thinking, so hold on a minute, football's going through a little bit of a stage at the moment where no one's really jumping down. There. Even City, Liverpool, they're all fine. So. Next season would be an interesting one, but it all depends on yes, how we finish to get that to get that kind of buzz, that kind of can't wait for the season to get going again, and then, you know, what he can do, what he's allowed to do in the summer, and it'd be absolutely ridiculous if they're not already talking 
because they're you know talking about what they can do in the summer <clears throat> for yeah. him to get what he wants. Because if you can organise anything, it has to, it's going to be now. And you've got to think yourself if you don't positive speculating to accumulate. You think about if you get Manchester United, you get them the right signing. And straight away from day one, they're looking like a side that could win the league. You think how much commercially that would make to the club for every yeah. aspect, everything within the club to go and sell out there to people. It, it would make such a difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I do feel without wanting to get carried away, we've seen United like, you know, flirt with second place in the last sort of 10 years, but nothing has felt as sustainable as this. Nothing feels as real as this it's been um it's just remarkable to see the the difference and yeah you, you're absolutely right especially the manager's ju- judgment on effectively every player that he's brought in even vegos and sabitza which we'll get to in a moment there are loads of comments i'm just going to get some quickly before we move on to the next point uh, robbie says morning wayne and paul hope you like the shout out paul to appear on tom mcdermott's podcast and uh, we know tom very well um, Tom's a good lad, um, so yeah, I'm sure Paul will do that if he needs to. Um, feeling great about United at the moment. Ten August done a Lazarus on this team in seven months. Absolutely. Ben says, "Miss the beginning." Hello, both. Morning, Ben. Hope you're all right. Um, you're right, Paul. This summer could be a big opportunity. Um, T2 that Izzo says Sabitza was very tidy on the ball yesterday. We'll talk about Leicester in a moment as well. I'd like to see him and Casemiro play together. I feel they're closer to Casemiro and Eriksen than. Them, I guess the other combinations that we've got absolutely. I think Sabitz has been a very smart signing, and already I think I think Bayern said something like eighteen million pounds they wanted for him. I think that's that'd be smart investment from United to get him for, for you know just a squad option. I think he's fantastic. Um, so go to lot says Paul Parker looks like he could play for United today. And I, I've seen him in the flesh, and I can tell you, um, I do confirm that he's he's just as sprightly as in his playing days, even if he doesn't feel it. And he might argue with me, but um, he's definitely just as sprightly. Um, yeah, Barcelona then, just to close on this poll, the second leg, like you said, it's kind of like a bonus, but, it, it, you know, like in terms of what we were expecting from it, but having drawn 2-2 with them, having played as well as um, we did on Thursday, you kind of, not saying expecting, but you want United to go out there and put on a show again, don't you? You, you do, but it's, it's. I just think the whole the whole thing about it being Barcelona, <clears throat> it will be like a the game will be like a party. People yeah. will just be enjoying the moment of you know <clears throat> of that game and playing Barcelona and the position they're in. And I really can't see anything else other than really United winning. And you know, and yourself, Wayne, in the time we've been doing this, it's not often that I come and say something like this because I'll be. I'll be holding back somewhere. There'll be a choke holding me somewhere going full on. So hopefully if this doesn't kill it, but I really, just for the fact of, when I look at where United are, it hasn't been like this, in my opinion, for a long, long time where you can actually feel or or know that, you know, that they're going to win. You know, I'm one, I've been over the last lot of years when I do my prediction thing for the, for the local pub down the roads and, to put the teams in over the years, I've been looking at certain games, and every time I'm going, I can't, I can't see United winning that. Where before I, I would have worn me, put my heart in my sleeve, and gone with United every game, but there were times when I just couldn't see it happening, and it wasn't because they're playing good teams. It's just where the club was and where certain players were, were who weren't yeah. understanding the expectations of where they are. So I just think now these players have grabbed hold of it. 
especially when you bring in the right players who show the right application when they turn up for everyone else who's been there over the recent years to see and suddenly think to themselves, hold on a minute here, this could be embarrassing. And majority of them have grabbed it. They've grabbed it and understood it that they're going to be left behind if they don't start sizing themselves up against the, other, the new ones who have come in. So they have stepped on. Players have improved. <clears throat> players are showing more willingness. Players are want to learn. Players yeah. have learned. Luke, Luke Shaw has learned. Yeah. Definitely learned. But he can't just go, you know, go around and run when he wants to run and giving away fouls because he doesn't want to run. He's, he's, he's working harder. <clears throat> Over a, over a longer period of time where before it's a little burst, oh, I've done enough now, I'll just coast through. Wan-Bissaka's another one. Dallo, to a point, has 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 done that without a doubt. So we've seen the strength of a back, back line improve. We've seen a midfield improve. It's just that little bit more consistency in the front three because you don't survive as a team. You don't really achieve if you're relying on one person to keep scoring goals. Yeah, it doesn't really work. You don't win league titles with one with one man as your goal scorer normally. To be fair, yeah. you know it's, it's it's you know you have to be you have to be better than that. Yeah, and, and the one thing I would say is that obviously Vegas has found it difficult to to settle in and score goals, but he is bringing something to United's play. This number ten role that um, Ten Hag has put him in, you know, is one thing, and you know Sancho. Yeah. Um, either side of his absence from the team, picking up goals, and maybe you know if he he's a consistent supplier of goals, then that's one thing. But you know, Garnacho's playing well, Sancho's playing well, and you know Anthony hit and miss, but they they're playing well and they're contributing in that regard. And you hope that once there is a settled kind of system there, that the three players that are being picked are constantly reliable to be picked, that you'll see that supply of goals. And I just keep coming back to. You know, everyone's talking about, you know, progressing in the Europa League and the fixture list and everything like that. And I, I'm not saying it's a free hit on Thursday. It's definitely not. Um, and, and no game is like that for United, really, unless it's a dead rubber. But win, lose or draw, there's going to be something to take from this. And I, I always remember the um, is it 1999 semi-final replay when they, they, call, they collared Fergie after the game and they said, you know, extra time is not what you needed in a, in a replay, you know, when the, the fixture list is this packed. And he said, don't care about that. Our, our fans will be talking about this for years. You know, the, the momentum and the, the atmosphere that you get from a, a performance like that and a win like that. And it was kind of like that in 93, 94, where we went all the way in all every domestic competition. You know, we were just playing fantastic <clears throat> football all the time. And it feels, I'm not saying like, exactly like that now but the feeling or the football isn't the same but the feeling is kind of similar that you know you want to be in the games where they're playing well and they're competing because like we, we don't want to keep harking back to misery but that's what it's been like the last sort of four or five years and so to now see us playing well and, and be in these games it's a buzz it's a buzz why do you not want to see United competing like this and yeah so that, that's what I will yeah. On that, on that note, Wayne, just just quickly, why why you're on that note is that I really don't understand some of these managers. The moment they lose a game, or anything doesn't go the way they want it to go, they start moaning about fixture congestion. Yeah. And it's always the top managers who moan, never the ones who are having a tough time as such, because they just know they they just got to get on with it. Teams in a lower division who start off a season with more games anyway. Yeah. 
and they play, they've got their little cups down there, so they play a lot more. Go- but w- I look at it and I think the only way you can, the only way you get fixed to congestion, if you're being successful. Yeah. So why do managers keep moaning about when they, you know, the likes of Arteta, Klopp, Klopp, yeah. Klopp is the Klopp is every time when it's going not going his way, it's games playing games and it, so when you're playing over fifty games, there's always going to be congestion because you can't it only goes for, you can only organise so much space a big game. But if you're successful, you've got to fit in between. So I don't understand um, managers alone. We've got the biggest issue now. We've got it's like talking to um, it's like it's like being a parent sometimes, and your kid says to you. Oh, my nose is running. I don't feel well. And you say, well, I'll tell you what, you go to school and if you don't feel really well that given time, I will come and get you. Once they get in school and their mates, they forget forget about their runny nose. But every time we keep putting into, everyone wants to put into players' heads that they're tired. Even fans talk about, oh, we need to rest them because this they've got an extra day that we need to rest them. Resting doesn't resting doesn't do a lot. It might do a lot if you've got eleven players. Might do something for two or three, but you might end up with some players who are like Rolls Royces or even sports cars who need their engine ticking over, ticking over. Who yeah. need to play? Who need to play? And um, always oh, tired. He's not one hundred percent fit. The man who works, the man who works on the on a conveyor belt in a factory, he's never one hundred percent fit, but he still yeah. goes to work and does a good job. So this whole thing. You know, really does get on my nerves, grates me when people keep talking about, oh, I was tired, they need a rest. You play games, and if you're Manchester United and you're a player, you should want to play in every game because every, while you're in this position here, the adulation you are getting from people and people are talking about you, they absolutely love it. Ten Hag hasn't moaned about fixed congestion because he's happy to be in that position because it means he's done better than what he believed he was going to do. He never thought he was going to be in a final already. He never thought about this run in Europe. He never believed that he was going to be sitting in the position and so close to winning that league. Because most of in the back of his mind, he was just thinking about top four. Got to get close to that top four. Now he's talking about, in his mind, he's mostly going, I need to, I've got a great opportunity of cementing a place in the Champions League earlier than maybe anyone's ever done it before. Earlier than, say, as early as when the last person, maybe Sir Alex, would have done it. Yeah. But other than that, really, it really does great me. When I when I keep hearing about people about the, about physical and got to do this, got to rest that. There's bits you do which is per normal, and he's been able to do it because of Luke Shaw can play inside as left centre half, and little bits in there he can do. But the likes of Casemiro, as as we've seen, you need you need him involved. He wants to be involved in every game, yeah. and the team and the team needs him there, in there because I think the games have been right for United, have done well, but. Maybe if it had looked it'd been more high caliber games, it might have been a di- might have been different without Casemiro. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right, and we we definitely got through them as opposed to in, in the midfield sense we got through them yeah. rather than um, found a solution. I would say. Uh, yeah. Ben says I can imagine that when you're in form, you don't want to miss a single minute. Absolutely, and it will will be coming on to the League Cup final, obviously. But he says, put it this way, I'm not sure I've cared about the Carabao. As much as when we won it in 2006 to kick off that team's era of success. Was it the Carling Cup then? It's been under some different guises over the time. I'll try and list them all. I'll try and list them all in a bit. Um, talking about squad rotation, Paul, 
we came as close as what he's going to be yesterday to resting players because of the fact that we were so dominant in that early period of the second half. I mean, don't get me wrong, I thought the first half, a bit dicey sometimes, you know, they had some chances, De Gea called upon to make at least one great save. Having said that, we did create a couple of chances ourselves. We had that kind of pattern where you couldn't dominate the ball in the middle of the pitch. As much as we tried to sort of get a handle on it with Sabitzer in there and, and Fred doing the work and, you know, Fernandez doing... I thought Fernandez played excellently on the right. His pass um, to Rashford. We, we've... I, I, I'm probably more guilty of this than you, Paul, in decrying Fernandez's wastefulness sometimes with passes, but you accommodate him in the team because of the things that he can do, like what he did for Rashford's goal yesterday. The first assist was magnificent, the way that he just clips it with the outside of his foot. Rashford is free, scores the goal, and United are in complete control of the game from that moment. Um, they, they score two in the second half, Rashford, and similar to the first goal, really um, cuts through the back line and finishes. And then a really nice move between Sancho and Fernandez to finish finish the game. We can then bring off Shaw, Fred, that you mentioned earlier, Fred playing better with better players. He's having a good run of form at the moment. So it makes sense to give him a bit of a rest, take Rashford off, give him a break. Um, that's the opportunity to rest the players that we were talking about, you know, like rather than from the start, United don't often, well, they've not had, often had that position, even in the good run, where they've been so handsomely in front that they can afford to sort of just take a few players off and see how the game um, and, and to be fair, you know, Leicester have been hot and cold this season, like they often are under Brendan Rodgers. Any Brendan Rodgers side is like they still have a really good run of form and a really bad run of form. It looked like they were heading into a good run of form because he scored four goals against Villa, four goals against Spurs. So really, yeah, all right, it's Leicester, but I think it was a really positive, um, positive ticking over performance yesterday, Paul. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, you have to... I look at the Spurs one. I wasn't surprised they beat Spurs because Spurs were still living off of beating City the game before. Yeah. Um, but you're still a team that's going to score those goals. You have to be you have to be aware of them. And to be honest, if United had gone in at half time losing, it would have, people would have people would have accepted it because United were poor in the first half. Leicester yeah. were better going forward than United, especially um, on the side where Ganacho. And Luke Shaw were. It was it was a serious weakness when it was up against Tete, and um, I've got, I've got, um the Belgian boy Cass Cass um I'll, I'll get there in the end anyway. But the right I'm going to say the right back. They was up against um those two and they struggled and Ganacho just wasn't doing his defending side and I don't think it, he didn't want to do it. I don't think he really knew what to do. He, he, his whole thing was about going forward, but he didn't. And he wasn't going forward of any conviction, so that was allowing a fullback to get the other side of him. And I just wonder how much Luke Short. Thank you, Ben. I didn't know. <laughs> I wasn't sure how much um, Luke Shaw was helping him. Yeah. I don't think Luke Shaw was talking to him. And I just think Luke Shaw. I could see he wasn't because Luke Shaw should have got him to stand on a touchline to stop the ball being rolled to Tete, who Luke was up against, and yeah. he was Luke couldn't deal with him. He was too quick, too clever for him. So to stop him being one against one, he should have got him to stand as close to the touchline so he couldn't roll it into his feet. So he wasn't communicating with him. So he's making the job more difficult. Luke Shaw early in that, from early in that first half decided he wanted to run, in, run forward, run inside. 
He didn't let the game settle, and United were never in control of that ball for him to do what he wanted to do. If Casemiro's playing, he can do that because he'll take the sting out of the game to yeah. allow Luke then to get back in position. But the game was too up and down. It allowed the game to go to be too open too quickly, and that's where they had their problem, and that's why Ganacho in the end come off. He yeah. had to bring him off in the end just to kind of to get someone there more experienced who weren't going to run around run around and you know, not he just couldn't do off the ball. He, he just could, he wasn't getting Ganacho, and he's eighteen, and you know that that all that comes into it. So I look at it that way, and I just thought we started off started off well, but lost it after ten minutes. It went control yeah. of the ball, then it went, then Leicester took over. David De Gea made two great saves. The second one, which he hooked back, was in, was a fantastic save. Again, that was at the that was on the defending side of Dallo. Dallo doesn't seem to see the ball in the air. If he doesn't see the ball, he's, he he doesn't see the man. Twice the man's pulled off in his shoulder on the left side. Harvey, Harvey Barnes, yeah. and he, he doesn't he doesn't know his airway. He, he's not aware at all of where he is. His whole body is looking at the opposite at the opposite um touchline. So that and David Ahea has got United out of um out of trouble twice, and they could have gone in two nil two nil down, and it, it could have been more difficult. You just mentioned Fernandez. Fernandez had an awful first half, but like you say, if you look if you look if you look at stats, he looked great. But if you watch the game, he if you watch that first half, he was absolutely awful. What he done, and the same you could talk about on um, Veghal. So if you look at Veghal's stats. All, all the little kids who would be on their computer would say he's rubbish. But if you watch him, and like you say about him, that he's one of those players that would always be in contention for player of the year. Yeah. For, for what he does, did up and back, go here, go there. And going out and getting people in on loan is it's a difficult one. It's so difficult. And you don't know what you you don't know how they're going to be mentally. Especially if they, you know, they know they're coming in, they, they know their parent club don't want them as such as kicked them out and you hope you get their attitude but for me he's their attitude right but for me he's a person who's thinking I'm lucky to be here I want to be here next season that's what he's saying and you're not going to turn around and we all know that he's not going to be Manchester United centre forward next season he knows that he's been asked to come in and do a job and he could earn the right to 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 get a contract yeah. You know, he does. He doesn't want to go back to Burnley and play for Burnley. He does mostly doesn't want to go back to Turkey and play in Turkey. He wants to play for the be at the biggest club in the world. Yeah. And he's and Ten Hag again has gone and brought someone in to do a job. If you're judging him on scoring goals, Ten Hag didn't get him to go and score ten, fifteen goals. I think he's, that's, there's more to his game than scoring goals. Of yeah. course. When you're wearing that, when you're in that position of being a number nine, everyone just talks about your scoring goals. But United and and what Ten Hag wants to do, he needed someone to do that kind of ugly side of being a centre forward. Yeah. And what he, what he had at that given time when he arrived, one of them didn't want to be fit, and the and um and the other one just wasn't wasn't the right fit at all. Couldn't do the job of playing as a centre forward. Couldn't do the job of when he when he wasn't in when he wasn't in possession of the ball to do stuff for the team when he wasn't in possession of the ball, how many tackles does he win coming back and slide you know sliding and hooking the ball back off for people after he's lost it or if they've lost it? How many times do you do that? 
The only person I've seen, oh, I can remember doing that on a regular basis, more of a regular basis than him, was Peter Beardsley. He yeah. did it all the time for Liverpool back back in the day. Him and Rush worked so hard, but yeah. for me, he's he's been he's been absolutely fantastic. If United didn't have him at the moment, they wouldn't be where they are. It wouldn't be where they are because then you'd be asking a Rashford to go and play, or you'd be playing someone false. You know, I'm not even going to mention Martial because there's no point mentioning him. So yeah. um, you're looking at Rashford and then. Playing someone in there who mostly hasn't, who wouldn't know what to do, but they're just a body. Yeah, he's an interesting one with Vegas. I'm not for one second comparing him in terms of quality, but you, when I look at him play and I look at what he brings to the team, I think of just think of how good Mark Hughes would be in this system. You know what I mean? He he fits that kind of role perfectly. Yeah. Um, and you know, bringing other play, players into the game and and still working hard for the ball and everything, and, and still having that nous of scoring important goals at important times. Um, you know, having said that, you know, like Ben says, credit to Tenog for saying the first half performance was rubbish. The players shouldn't hide from that. And, and to be fair, they didn't. He obviously did say it half time because the first twenty minutes of the second half, we killed the game off, and really that's as good as you can expect. They were so clinical in scoring those those two goals, and that was impressive, wasn't it? It was. It was the, the it made a the first goal made a difference, but the um getting the second and that was it really. What I liked about the second half was was that there was no pressure. They didn't they didn't even though they were comfortable, they still kept it right. They didn't go overboard. Fernandez stopped his silly flicks, all yeah. those silly flicks he did, which are more. He did one when he ran over the ball, and you think so. You didn't even know what's behind you, but he stopped all that because that's the, that's what happened a lot in the first half. There was too many flicks everywhere. It was like virtually case of, oh, we win the game whenever. Where before, no, no, you earn the right to win the game by yeah. you know by digging in. Doesn't matter who you are, you you have to do that, you know. And Leicester nearly got took advantage of that fact because United thought they could win the game whenever they wanted to and it couldn't it couldn't have been that way it was you know couldn't have been that way unless they had done the hard work first and Ten Hag in certain ways is a bit old school in that sense he believes in that yes he wants to play great football but he does still know that you have to still earn the right to do that and that second half performance from United should have been the performance in the first half yeah better started that way in the first half been going in at half time and he could have made his substitutions at half time because the game would have been won. Because the moment they, the moment they scored that second, or the way they come out the second half, Leicester couldn't compete. They get that second goal. That's it. Game over. They'd absolutely killed the game, but yet they still played with a purpose of control. Control yeah. was the key, and they had that the whole of that second half. Yeah. And that's been very. That's been very rare. Last few seasons, never seen that because the midfield was so poor. They could not. They could not control anything that was put in front of them. It's it's scary to think of, like you know, the difference that one or two more additions could make to this side in, in terms of results like that. Um, yeah, like you said, like three 0 against Leicester feels like a really emphatic result, and it was the kind of result back in the day you would have taken for granted. Um, certainly not now. Um, every small step feels like a giant one for United, um, as, as will. And fairly enough, this time the Newcastle game next week, which is the League Cup final, Carabao final. So I'm trying to think of the different names. There was the Milk Cup, there was the Rumbelows Cup, which was the first one that you played in for United, right? There was yeah. a Coca Cola Cup, 
Worthington Cup, Capital One Cup at one point, Carling Cup, Carabao Cup. I think it lost its sponsor for a year and was the Football League Cup, EFL Bob, Cup. Bob the Builder Cup. Bob the Builder Cup. Um, yeah, it reminds me, was it um, the... Um, Tommy Duckett said it once, like, we'll win everything that we're in for. We'll even win the Grand National or something. It feels like this is the competition that just takes on any old name. Um, I'm trying to think of the others. I know he started as the milk. And I know United have basically won it at some point or been in a final at least where under every iteration of this, apart from apart from maybe one or two of them, um, but definitely, definitely um, the Rumbelows Cup was the one that... Um, that was the one that in 1992, wasn't it, when we won it? Uh, when you when you won it for United, was the Rumbelows yeah. Cup. Um, one one little cup before we one little point before we talk about the final. Just got a comment from uh, Ben. There might be nothing in this. What do you make of Tenog bringing Rashford off on a hat trick? My dad always thought Fergie did this to motivate strikers to score as soon as possible before he took them off. Um, I just think it was a rest, but do you think that there might be a little psychological play in that? It's sort of speed him up. Um, and I don't know, because Marcus has been so prolific lately. What, what no, I, yeah, I, I mean, it, I was asked that question when I was doing the commentary of the game yesterday, and I just I asked, should he bring him off now? And I, given where United are at the moment, I think it was right to bring him off because. Yeah. Because the job as a manager, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But say Marcus Rashford was so desperate to go and get a hat trick, yeah. he, he puts himself into, he sticks his head into a fire like that to go and do it, and he gets burnt. Everyone be saying, why didn't he take him off? He's got two. The game was one. Yeah. So he's just gone and done it. And and to be honest, I I would agree that normally I'm one of them saying no, let him score a hat trick. Well, why? <laughs> the team the team's won a game. Let you know, come off. There's a, there's a bigger game. There's an, a big game coming up next weekend. That's what you should be looking forward to. Is walking out to play in the final for Manchester United at Wembley. That's, yeah. that's you know. So regardless of what it is, it's a cup final. It's big. United don't win it, but it's going to be it's, it's going to be big story everywhere. And all of a sudden, that tournament will be is like massive, yeah. you know. It's it's not a small it's not a small thing. If you're Manchester United at the moment and you are starting, you want to start something again. You go you go and win you go and win something first. You win it and then you bounce then you bounce off the back of it. That, yeah. That's what you go that's what you go and do. It's as it's as simple as that. So he's looking at that game, and he's thinking. Obviously, he's thinking that game. He's thinking the game on Thursday. It's important to have the person who is getting you through situations at this moment in time available to play. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, that would have definitely been 10 hours school of thought with that. I want to ask, ask you about that before. I, I know we're going to talk about Newcastle in general, but the concept of being there when United have been in the doldrums a little bit and then you come up to a League Cup final, which was obviously your first trophy for the club. I know United were on a, a bit of an upwards trajectory at that point. They'd won the FA Cup, which was the catalyst, and then they won the Cup Winners' Cup and the Super Cup. But for a group of you in the squad, I think Kanchelskis was in the squad, Schmeichel's first trophy as well. So there were two or three of you who... It was your first trophy, for Giggs, Giggs' first trophy as well. Um, although what the first domestic trophy I think he played in the Super Cup or he was on the bench in the Super Cup. Um, first domestic trophy. So... <sighs> Is it going to have that kind of impact for the players? I mean, we're speaking hypothetically if they if they win it. I mean, I don't want to do that because I don't want to jinx it. 
approaching the final. Is it is it big big for that reason? Obviously, big for the reason of winning a trophy, but for but bigger for the sort of stature of the club. You know, like I'm, I'm not putting United above Newcastle with that. I'm just kind of saying because it's United, because of the pressure that they've been under for the last decade. Now it feels a little bit different to the other cup finals. It feels like the first step on the way to something rather than like an endurance test yeah, to get that. I hundred, I hundred percent get what you what you what you're saying there, Wayne. And yeah, I think you are right thinking that way. I, I believe that a lot of the fans are seeing this as not as a oh thank God we at least we at least we're winning something. They're seeing this as a a beginning of something to add on to all the bits that they believe are going to follow after. Yeah. This is this is more than just a building block. Building block. There's a lot more, and this one's got an easy bit. Where this one's a bit easy because you can build a good foundation from something like this by what they've seen happen over these last few months of what he's done, what Ten Hag has done with the football club and with the football team. And that's the thing about it. It actually feels like a, like it's a foot almost like it's a football club again, even though they haven't put it back on the badge yet. Um, yeah. It still feels like there's a football there's a football club there at this moment in time. It feels like it's a it's a team and there's a lot of players there who want to win that because they go and win this this they go and win that trophy this season and if it's the only trophy they win and they qualify for the Champions League, people will talk about it yeah. and they'll be talked about. They'll be able to walk about and they can actually really, in theory, even though they might some of them might be too shallow about it, they can actually look pe- people in the face of players and say they've done well. They've come back. They've done well to come back from where they were, even though it's still yeah. Manchester United and they're being talked about and they're near the top. There still wasn't a lot to talk about and what they'd done. They never, never looked like it was going to do anything. There was little bits, and but now it looks like there's there's something that's going to be built on here, in my opinion. Yes, it's always going to be difficult because you're Manchester United. When you're in this position now, everyone raises their game wine now. Everybody wants to beat Manchester United and. That's how it should be. That's what I learned when I when I got there. Suddenly, everything changed. The games you when you played against other teams, say you played against a, a Wimbledon, a Coventry. Great when you played against them at QPR. Fine when you played against them as a Manchester United player. There was a difference. You you react differently to the bigger sides. Yeah. And, and the way United, I was always always a big game. Always doesn't matter who you are. Always playing. You want to beat them. So those players are starting now. Some of them have got a better picture of what things are really about. When they when they go away to grounds and they, even though United have got the best fans that travel, they, they, they there's a difference in them the way they're feeling because they're not they're not got crossed fingers when they walk to the ground. They honestly believe that they they're going to go there and they're going to win. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting yeah um, sort of changing in feeling i don't know if i'm confident about winning but i'm I'm confident about seeing good performances from the team or i'm hope more hopeful of that i think winning i'm, I'm too scarred by the, the events of the last decade to take any result for granted and I, I think that's the frame of mind that i'm definitely in for the newcastle game because newcastle under eddie howe they've been spoilers you know as they're sort of building their own foundations for what's obviously going to be some kind of successful period for them in terms of, uh, we don't even know what that's going to represent, how, how it's going to look, but it's definitely going to be more successful than the previous sort of two decades um, from when they were last challenging for the title in the mid-90s because of the money that they've got there. They're going to have some kind of success, however that looks. 
And at the moment, where they're building that, they look resolute. They look horrible to play against. They're defensively strong. Um, they're organised. The goalkeeper's going to be suspended, Pope. And I can tell you from the experience of watching him at Old Trafford, you know, he's one of the most unpopular goalkeepers because of the amount of time that he takes. But that's part of Newcastle's approach. So, yes, you're going to lose Pope. And yes, Dubrovka can't play. But um, Loris Karius, who's going to come in, everyone's going to remember what he did in the Champions League final for Liverpool. He's going to remember that. His entire composition of a goalkeeper is going to be, he's going to be like bringing in a completely different character because he's got this swan song of his career that's going to be represented in a single game. And he's going to be probably singing from the Pope hymn sheet, probably taking 10 seconds longer at goal kicks, doing everything he can to make it even worse because that's what Eddie Howe will be telling him to do. Make yourself a character in the game. So I don't really necessarily think they're going to be that weakened by the suspension. I just think it'll heighten um, the way that Newcastle play anyway. They're going to be there to win that trophy in, in probably the most ugly way they can because they know mm. that that's going to be the way to stop it if you're not, you know, They're not bothered in a spectacle, they're bothered in the trophy, which is different from the Bobby Robson and Kevin Keegan days. And it'll make it an interesting composition, won't it, Paul? Yeah, I mean, the long and short of it, really, all it is, really, Newcastle are just Bournemouth, but with more established players. Yeah. Everything is the same. You you let Bournemouth go 1-0 up against you, you've got a massive problem under Eddie Howe. Newcastle is exactly the same, exactly the same, no different. I've seen them too many times this season, live, gone to games, and every time I'm just there frustrated, just wondering how players can want to play like this, to be honest. I really don't understand it. Um, I don't think you'd ever, you'd never see a Manchester United team play like that. Because I think the manager coming in knows it, it, it would never be allowed. It would never be allowed to play like that. And I think it's a horrible way to play. I don't get it. And then all of a sudden you go one nil down. Or sorry, the team scores or you go behind. All of a sudden you want to do things quicker. It, you yeah. know, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Look at Aston Villa. You know, everything they were doing yeah. um, against Arsenal, Marte- Martinez, yeah. slow, this and that. All of a sudden, they go behind and he wants to do everything quick. And you think to yourself, what, what, what's the logic? what is the logic in that? Yeah. You know, and it doesn't, I, I really don't understand it really, what football's becoming now, what teams think they, you know, have got to do to w- play football. Play, go out there, enjoy it. But I just don't see how someone someone can just go, well, I want you to take your time there. When the ball goes out for a throw-in, get the ball and let it hit your chest and fall on the floor and make out you dropped it and do that. You know, and I really don't. Yes, there is times and there was a bit of gamesmanship, but now it's it's gone it's gone beyond it now. It's gone beyond. I won't even get into my pet hate now in football, but yes, it's um it's unenjoyable. It's meant to be a spectacle. Football's meant to be entertainment for people who pay a lot of money and it's going to be a lot of money spent you think on the traveling costs of both teams what's that going to cost and you're paying people traveling from newcastle paying giving up so much time maybe some of them losing a day's work as well because the following day and they're going to watch their team almost you know the way they start trying to kill time and not 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 give them something to smile about yeah what do you make? I mean, obviously, Pope. Do you reckon that's going to be a miss, or do you re- like I, I've just said about Carius there? That he's going to be built into this kind of. Obviously, he's going to be a pivotal character in the final. 
and he'll be sort of playing up to that. Anyhow, yeah. you know what I mean? It's almost like a man management episode in yeah. what how will be doing. Rather than what Carrius brings to the table, it'll be like what Howell tells him to do, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly right. And they will miss Pope and the fact of he's a good shot stopper. Yeah. He's been excellent for them. He's the reason why they've had, you know, clean sheets and everything. It's about him, really. And you've seen a little bit of Newcastle. There's, there's been this buzz about him and the fans have made it. There's this kind of, you know, we're owed something. Um, but when you watch him, when you do watch him, you you suddenly realise there isn't a lot there. And if you can get that first goal, yeah. then it makes a big, big difference in their approach. A big, big difference in the way they play. So there's a golden opportunity and for United to go and achieve something, you know, quite early on. And I just think if they can go and, you know, again, give us all a good week, Thursday yeah. and on the Sunday, and then the, the bounce off from that, would be fantastic to go and get something under the belt, under their belt yeah. so early in the season. It is crazy to think that it is a week of, um, I don't know, it's a week, not I'm going to say make or break the season, but if, if United get a good result on Thursday and they win on Sunday, then the season's already an unqualified success, isn't it? You know, mm. I know, yeah, people will say about the Champions League position, and I don't want to take that for granted, but we're in such a strong position in the league now that, I mean, in, com- in, in sort of comparison, no, sorry, in combination with winning the League Cup and, and sort of this epic tie with Barcelona, then it does, like you said earlier, everything else from that point would be a bonus, wouldn't it? Yeah, without that, you'd, all you're looking for at the moment in time, you would say, is just... No, two next two games, two wins. Yeah, that's all you're looking for. Two wins, and then see what happens after. That's the bit. It's the it's the bit after that matters. How players react to what happens after these next two games. The biggest, you know, two big games. Yes, it's a qualifying game for the next stage, the Barcelona one. But to beat Barcelona, Old Trafford, yeah. and then to go into the game on Sunday, that's the kind of position that Sir Alex Ferguson would want to be, and he want he'd want he'd, he'd want you got a big game, you react to it by a performance and a win, then to go into the next big game. And the next big game is only a few days later at Wembley. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah. Barcelona at Old Trafford and a Wembley Cup final. Ben says yeah. it's the biggest week of the season so far, for sure. But when you've got a run of games like that, it's also one of the biggest weeks in the club's history as well. And I'm not yeah. taking that, I'm not saying that lightly. Um, you just don't get that combination very often. So, um, sink, you know, let it sink in, um, soak it up, enjoy it uh, for what it is, because at least United are going to approach it trying to play the right way. Um, and say, no, it's really positive at the moment. You're gonna, I'm not, I'm not banking on Rashford scoring, winning goals in these games. But when you've got a player playing like he's doing, then you feel like there's a lot of hope there. Um, we will be back next week to talk about that week and hopefully as positive as we feel this week as well. Um, if you've been watching live on YouTube or Facebook, get your comments and questions in after on the replay because we still do reply to um, them on the replay. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening on. We will be back next week to talk about those games. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.